Don't call it a comeback. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They took it away. Now, Ed, are, we just did a segment that was so great. That Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bartend. This is the Press Box. The last two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best of. Now, you're probably going to have to play them on a loop because there's not a lot of best of on the show. But we got to pay attention during these times. With Grady and Bischoff. Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. On ESPN Las Vegas. I had the Jimmy John's yesterday. Oh, finally. It took oh, you long yeah, enough. Yeah. Well, I found it. I found it. Uh, well, it's across the street. My two. I actually passed it, and I was mad because my, I. well, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I had it on my phone, like walking directions, and it was only like a block, but I can't find anything. You know this in my oh, life. Oh, man. And I passed it oh, because man. I, and I went like two, three extra blocks. You had to go the ways out. <laughs> yes, and I went three extra blocks. I'm like, I know I passed it because my wife had told me where it was, and I went all the way back, and I had passed it, but I got it done. I got a it block done. Number away, four, no lettuce. A block away, and you missed it? Like, walking, you missed it? Yes. Well, it was, it was tucked in, like, to a corner, so I uh, <laughs> I missed it, but I, and it made me mad because at one point, the, the maps on the phone said turn around on, on 19th Street because it's on 16th. <laughs> So anyway, He's I got the 16th. job done. He goes to 17th and he goes, <laughs> no, no, keep, no, gotta keep going. <laughs> there might be another and it's weird because the hotel's on 15th and it's on 16th <laughs> and I got to 19th. So some, my, 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 I don't know, my equilibrium, something was thrown off. I don't know. Maybe Reeves hit me in the head. Who knows? <laughs> How's your hair? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's missing a little. Oh, good Lord. The first bite. At least he felt the Jimmy Johns. <laughs> Do you believe the Golden Knights can win? That's a pretty loaded question. Tonight or the <laughs> series? <laughs> I don't know which one you're talking about. Either one. I think they can win tonight. I would doubt they can win the series. I'm optimistic. You ready for, for the optimism from Tyler? I always bring the optimism. Of the series? Of the series? I, I always bring the optimism He loves for you. humanity, yeah, yeah. and he's an optimist. So yes, of course. The reason I'm optimistic is because the Avalanche scored seven goals in game one, and probably three of those goals were Colorado being like really good at the sport of hockey. Like Nathan McKinnon just skates around Nick Haig. Like that's Nathan McKinnon. Being really good. There was another goal where uh, about uh, Nishkinen uh, skates through two Golden Knights guys, just stick handles through them, gets a shot on goal and a rebound ends up in the back of the net. Like they had some plays where you're like, wow, Colorado's really good. But there are four goals in that game. And it's hard to assign like 100% blame or 100% credit when things happen in hockey. But there are four goals in that game that I think you can look at and say that the Avalanche scored because the Golden Knights were terrible. And I don't believe the Golden Knights are a terrible hockey team. I think the Golden Knights are actually yeah. a pretty good hockey team. Like, take the first goal of the game. They can't pass. It's a backhanded shot from the faceoff dot. Robin Leonard needs to save that. Like, there's no yeah, doubt about it. That. Robin yes. Leonard needs yes. to save that. That that goal yes. is not because Colorado is a great hockey team. That goal was scored because Robin Leonard messed up. Robin Leonard had a bad play. 
Uh, the second goal of the game, when Gabriel Landeskog skated from the top of the faceoff circles to the crease, got a pass and shot without anybody on the Golden Knights coming anywhere close to him. That's not because Gabriel Landeskog is some unbelievable hockey player. The Golden Knights just forgot about him. Like Nick Waugh could have stayed with him as he skated down, or Alec Martinez and uh, Alec Petrangelo are they're double teaming uh, Rantanen in front of the crease on the other side. Like there, there were multiple guys that just stick with Gabriel Landeskog, and he doesn't get a free pass and a free shot on goal. There was another one where Nathan McKinnon gets a pass. He's up against the boards. And they allow him to skate from the boards into the faceoff dot and shoot uncontested. The best player on the ice got the puck and had it for about five seconds and nobody got in his way. Nobody came to hit him. Nobody came to block his shot. He shot uncontested. That's just, that's bad hockey. And then the last one was on the avalanche nine minute power play. The Golden Knights had two guys go for a puck in the neutral zone, miss, and it ended up in a four-on-two. They're killing a penalty and gave up a four-on-two. That, again, is just bad hockey, and I don't believe the Golden Knights are bad. Like, so you go back and look at these goals, I think more than half of them weren't necessarily because the Avalanche were so good. It's because the Golden Knights were awful, and I don't think they're going to play that poorly again. I don't think this is a bad hockey team. I think this is a good hockey team, so I fully expect those goals to be gone. Like, maybe the Avalanche get one because it's a long game. Somebody's going to mess up, but... They're not going to get four goals simply because Marc-Andre Fleury whiffed on a glove save or they just forgot about Nathan McKinnon. Like, the Avalanche are good, and they still scored three goals because they were good, but they're not going to score seven again. And I believe no. the Golden Knights can win a game four to three. You can, like, Nathan McKinnon yeah. can make a play. Kale McCarr can make a play because they're great and score a couple of goals. You can still win the game four to three. Yeah. Right, and they could also play really, really well and lose four to two. And and I, I saw this, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I know the Connor Hellebrook uh, fans out there are like steaming that he was not a Vesna finalist, uh, along with Flurry Vesleski and, and Grubauer. And, and we were at the skate yesterday uh, out in a suburb somewhere, but the TV was on, you know, it was all avalanche here all the time. And they had Grubauer's stats up there being 5-0, and 94.3 save percentage, one point, whatever goes. I mean, they were amazing stats, you know, even better than his stats in the regular season. And I thought he was good in the regular season. And we were talking about him like, look, it's not going to be 7 1 tomorrow night. But if you also told me the Golden Knights played really, really well and lost 4 to 2 or 4 to 3, I'm like, yeah, that could happen easily. I mean, they, you know, that Flurry's obviously going to be a net. Um, but I do think the Avalanche obviously could win 4 2, 4 3 tonight. And you walk away saying, and here's the thing I don't think you or I in the last, let's say, was it four years now? have ever said, at least I don't remember, the Golden Knights could play a great game tonight and lose. Right. Like, I've never yeah. I've never said that. I've never said, boy, they could go into this game and just be so great, they're going to lose. I've never said that ever. I've always said, look, if they play great, they're better. And this is the first time I'm saying that, that they could be really good and they could be down 2-0 going home. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, you go back, and especially in the playoffs. Like, you maybe every playoff yes. series they've ever yeah. played, like, even yeah. when they lost four in a row to Washington in the Stanley Cup final, yeah. there was still a sense of, well, if the Golden Knights play well, they, they can beat the Capitals. Yeah. Like, they can come back in this series. So, I th- that's a good point. Like, this is the first time that you do Ever. look at the Golden Knights and say, all right, if the Golden Knights play their best game, but Colorado also plays its best game, the Golden Knights Then lose. Colorado will win. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. a good point. And that's, that's sort of the issue with, like, I am optimistic the Golden Knights will play better, and Pete DeBoer said it yesterday, that they're going to play better. I'm optimistic that A, they're going to play better, and B, that they can win because they play better. 
But that's a good point. Like Colorado also has to play poorly or at least play poorly for yeah. a few moments in the game because Colorado's best is better than the Golden Knights best. And yes. that is when when you're trying to figure out, hey, can the Golden Knights win this series? That's where it becomes tough because the Golden Knights can win games in this series. There's no doubt about it. They can win. They can push this to seven. But to do it four times, you're probably going to have to have Colorado play poorly four times, and that's maybe the biggest problem for the Golden Knights actually advancing in this series. And you're really going to have to have Fleury, you know, really, really play well every game. And not that he can't. He, you know, he won game seven. He played all the games against Minnesota. But this is a different beast. Um, and they win seven with Minnesota for different reasons in terms of how Minnesota plays. But he's got to be on an extra level. And obviously, he's going to be the goalie the rest of the way. Um, he's got to be really good. And again, he could still lose. I think he'll be really good. He's had enough rest. Uh, I think they can get tonight, given the fact that he's had rest. And and not only, not only like you said, are the Knights not going to play like they did the other night. That's impossible. But, you know, I mean, is Colorado going to be, you know, flying down the ice? Are they going to be as good? I guess they could be. Um, we watched, you know, some of their practice yesterday, and it's amazing just how they practice. I mean, you watch them practice, and you're like, my God, the speed and the passing, and they just do that at practice, so they could do that again. I just think tonight's really, really close. I think it's going to be really close tonight, and like you said, they get the right bounces. I mean, you know, they they got in the crease a couple times the first game, and 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 we're, we're on top of we're on top of Grubauer and didn't get it done well tonight. If you get a few of those done, you can win. All right, I do want to play some audio here because Pete DeBoer yesterday uh, was asked who he was going to play in net in Game 2, and here was his response. Yeah, you, you, you know I'm not going to answer that. I think it's probably obvious what the, what the answer is, uh, but I'm not going to answer just because uh, that's been my policy, and, you know, as stupid as that sounds, uh, that, that's, that's what we're going to continue to do. I love so much that he admitted it sounds stupid. Sure. So is Logan it, Thompson starting in net? What is that? It's I not mean, a good yeah, sign just, when he's on the side of the media. <laughs> yeah. I think – I also think – we've talked about this before. I really think he would be more open with injuries if from a top they supported that. I do. I just – I get the sense that – look, he gets tired about answering the goalie question. And I guess you have to ask it. You have, you know, you have to ask it. You know what he's going to say. There's times that – like, you know, Robin Leonard yesterday, where was he at practice, you know? And then you say, okay, it's a maintenance day. And you're like, all right, well, he gave up seven. And, you know, I don't know what the point is to drag him out there for a skate. You know he's not going to play in the second game. But I think there's some situations where he'd rather just talk and get it over with. And, you know, the the message from up high is we don't do that. Um, now, maybe the goalie decision is his because, I mean, that he's the coach and he obviously decides who plays. But you get to the injury, sometimes I think he'd rather be more open than he is. I really do. Well, he was more open in San Jose, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, with injuries, absolutely. Yeah. He was more he was more open. He just and I it didn't I asked I've asked people who cover that team, one of one of the people we know in Shang, and it's not like he just felt comfortable with it. He it's not like he forced himself to say it. He just said, Well, this is what the guy has. I mean, you know, he didn't, you know, overreact anything and he tried that here and you know, within two seconds, it was like, hey, if you want this job, uh, we don't do that here. <laughs> the, the funniest thing, though, is that we all know Marc-Andre Fleury is starting game two. Even yeah. the rest of that audio from DeBoer, he finishes answering about, well, you know, he played really well in seven games against Minnesota. Like, he goes on to talk about Fleury yeah. for another 30 seconds. Yeah. Like, 
We all know Flurry's starting. DeBoer yes. admits that you know who's starting, but yet yeah. he still refuses to just say the words. Yeah. Mark Andre Flurry is my starting goal. It's just it's humorous the levels to which yeah. Golden Knight the Golden Knights will go to not give away information even at, when it's obvious. At least he admits it's stupid. <laughs> at least he says this is stupid, but I, I this is what we have to do. Would you would you prefer that? Ed, as a as a seasoned veteran journalist, would you prefer that just the person to go? I can't tell you, it's stupid, but I can't. Well, it, it, when he like Tyler said, when he admits that it's stupid, it's much better. <laughs> like when he says, "Look, this is completely stupid." You know who's starting? That makes it better than if he just said, "Flurry's starting." But it's funny when they say, "Well, we're not going to say anything. You'll just have to wait to see who leads us out and stuff." When ninety percent of the time, you know. So yeah, I'd prefer yesterday where the guy says, "I this is completely." You guys stupid. will have to wait until to you see who leaves the ice first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yesterday, it well, the rink was so small. It was literally like a family fun center. That that's kind of where they were. It was where weird. are they, they practicing? What they they, they, they practice out? Yeah, they do. Well, there was like two hundred kids doing bumper cars and and rock climbing <laughs> and and I you know um yeah, there's uh, a all the games hockey team to your left. Yeah. Yeah, and they were watching for a while, and then when we came back out, they were all in the bumper cards, and they got tired of watching a practice. But it, you know, everyone was off the ice. Everyone was off the ice first yesterday because they had to get in the bus and drive back to the city. So, but yeah, I guess Flurry was off the ice. The other, you know, they Leonard wasn't even there, so you kind of knew who was going to be the first off the ice yesterday. I understand the Denver Nuggets are in the playoffs, and so the the actual <laughs> arena they play at has to be converted back and forth from basketball to hockey. But they're at like a kid's arcade where like, is this like the oh, yeah. plastic they yeah. put down outside of the Cosmopolitan in December for people to go skating on? No, there's two sheets. One <laughs> sheet was an adult afternoon adult league. Uh, there were like a bunch of guys over there playing. And so, then the Golden wait, Knights were on the other wait. one. And this appears to be because there are a bunch of signs <laughs> out there. This appears to be the Avalanche practice. Rick. It's on a golf course. There's top golf. There's putting greens. There's a driving range. I, I don't know if it was a 9 or 18. I think it might have been 18. But then they were in a family fun center with all the games, the you know, the all, all the kids' games, the rock climbing, the bumper cars. And there were literally like 100 kids running around, and the Golden Knights were just practicing. So, okay, I know that they're no longer, like, actually broadcasting the game, but had they been there's a like above 90% chance that like William Carlson looks to his left and he sees Stormy Bonatoni in a bumper car and then he stares to his right <laughs> and he's got Millsy out in like yeah. makeshift pads playing in a, an adult beer league I mean I was pretty much ready to play air hockey I mean except two kids were already playing uh it was you know it was strange it was like when we drove up and like Man, I know Stan Kroenke can be tight with a checkbook, but this kid can't build these guys a facility? I mean, the locker room was so small, the Golden Knights had to come on their bus in their in their equipment, and they had to leave in their equipment. Like, they couldn't dress because the locker room was so small. And I just thought, the, the Avalanche has won two cups, and this is their practice? It was very – and they have to drive out to this place? Now, again, they, they're at Ball Arena a lot when, you know, the Nuggets aren't playing. I'm sure they practice a ton at the arena. But on those times, they have to go out to the the practice facility, which it appeared that that's this what it was. It was very strange. It well, was really strange. I would have to guess the two kids playing air hockey are both above Cody Glass on the depth chart and most likely to play for yes, the Golden Knights. Yes, absolutely. He might have been one of them, actually, on the bumper cars, <laughs> but I didn't look closely. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the NBA 
because the Lakers might be done. Nicola one-on-one with Cantor. Throws it in the corner to Rivers for three. Money! Making him pay on the double team! Oh, was Porter that hit that? I'm sorry. Damian Lillard's a, he's like a Chris Paul. He's been around the block. He knows what time it is. And if you're trying to take that foul, my, my concern is him making the three and giving up a four-point play. So it's really out of respect to Damian Lillard, his experience as a clutch player. There's a lot of things you can sit here and second guess. Lineups, give a foul, not give a foul. You know, we won the game. That's all that matters. And we will watch and learn from all those end-of-game, late-game situations where, you know, we, we could have been better. But after what you gave, just personally? Like... It don't matter. We lost the game. I mean, at this point, all that matters is we can't lose another game in this series. So if we go out there and we play to win the game, we came up short. So we're going back home, it's a, a must-win or else our season's over. Then we got to come back here and, and win on that floor again. So, I mean, that's what it is. It's definitely cool, but I mean, I'm not trying to sit back and reflect on how nice it is to play with those guys. I'm trying to get get out there and get work done and worry about uh, how we're going to get better each and every day. But, you know, it is uh, it is fun playing with two guys that uh, can pretty much do everything on the basketball court. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. And I think Damian Lillard's shot making last night, it might be the best I've ever seen in the final minutes of a game. Yeah, I just I'm always on the side to foul. And that's I'm always on that side. And I know what I know what he was talking about. Oh, he could have had a four about four point play and all of that. And he's incredible. I mean, he's just he's an amazing player, but I'm just always on the side to foul. So good for him that he made the shot. I mean, he's he's like you said, he's he's an incredible player. Um, but I still think you can I still think you can foul if you know how to do it well enough and still not be overly concerned he's going to do a four-point play if you do it well enough. Yeah, it's not that hard to do. It's not that hard. You foul the guy when he dribbles. And yeah, he, exactly. Like, I mean, yeah. It's a foul, and they get two free yeah. throws, and Damian Lillard never hits the shot. But I'm glad they didn't because Damian they, they, here's the oh, thing. Oh, yeah. They had two chances to do it, and they didn't do it at the end of regulation or at the end of the first overtime. But, yeah. like, the the – like Damian Lillard's shot that he made at the end of the first overtime to force the second overtime is one of the most ridiculous shots I've ever seen yeah. because Lillard, they're down three. Damian Lillard starts to drive into the lane. Like we all know he's not going to go shoot a layup. No, they're down three. But right. then he jab steps back and spins at the same time to create space to shoot a three. This guy was spinning. He turned his back to the rim to shoot a three and created the space and drilled the three. Like, it's one of the most unbelievable shots you will see a guy make yeah. to tie a game in the final seconds. It's phenomenal. Amazing and player. and yeah. the Blazers, by the way, unfortunately, they're probably going to lose one of these next two games and be done. But the Blazers finished the regular season number two in offensive rating and number 29 in defensive rating. Like, they're one of the most fun teams to watch play because they're going to score a lot. Damian Lillard's going to do that, and they're not going to stop anybody either because as good as Damian Lillard, 55 points on 17 of 24 shooting is absurd, and they still lost the game because they can't get a stop. Talking about the Blazers or the Raiders? Well, yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. Damian Lillard, well... Derek Carr's not quite as good as Damian Lillard, is he? No, just not. No, uh, not in their respective sports. <laughs> they both love three-pointers. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> unbelievable how good Lillard was, and they still lost that game. Yeah, because they're they're dreadful on defense, can't get a stop. And what was the what was the number? I think 
non-Damian Lillard Blazers shot one of 19 in the two overtimes. Yeah. Like it, it was, was uh, it was brutal. One of their columns up there tweeted at one point, the supporting cast isn't very good. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of an obvious statement uh, if you watch the game, but he's great. He's fun to watch. He goes back again, like we were saying. I mean, I, I just, I used to love, as growing up a team, but now I just love players. Like now you just want to watch, I just want to watch players now in the NBA. That's kind of how I deal with the NBA now. And he's one of them. You just want to watch them play um, and, and not worry about teams. So he's amazing. I don't think they're going to win the series. I think uh, even if it's game seven back in Denver, that Denver will win the series, but um, he's a great player to watch. Are the Lakers done? See, I'll never say that until he loses a first-round series and LeBron <laughs> has never lost a lost first-round series in 14 playoffs. So, you know, I mean, I think Anthony Davis probably plays in game six. I mean, unless it's a torn groin or he just can't walk, which I don't believe it is, you've got to play in game six. So, And you don't know about Paul. He re-injured the shoulder or they came back to make the free throws and everyone's saying he's okay. And Devin Booker, after you know after the game, says he looks fine and you know, he'll just get treatment around the clock. But until LeBron James walks off a court in a first-round series having lost it, then I'm not going to say he's going to lose it. What was amazing to me last night is how easily the Suns crushed the Lakers on both ends of the floor. Like, their defensive strategy was basically to pack the paint, not let LeBron get any layups, and not let anybody else get, like, drop-off passes for dunks or layups. They made the Lakers hit some jump shots or finish through traffic, and the Lakers couldn't do it. Like, they didn't have enough shooting. Right. They didn't have enough playmaking. They didn't have enough finishing last night. They couldn't do it. And on the other end, like, the Lakers are supposed to be the, the best defense in the NBA or at least yeah. close to it. And Anthony Davis isn't there. You're not going to be the best defense without him. But they were, like, eviscerated on that in the floor. The, they just Kill. allowed layup after layup. Some of them were in transition where the Suns got out and run. But some of them were just in the half court where guys just got beat off the dribble and – the spacing was good enough. There wasn't good enough help side defense from the Lakers. Like they got obliterated with the Suns just going to the rim. There was some three point luck. The Suns made a bunch of threes in the first half, but at the end of the day, that loss was way more than three point luck. I was amazed. I, Anthony Davis is important. You might lose that game to the Suns because you don't have Anthony Davis, but to get obliterated on both ends of the floor, like that was unbelievable. And it makes me wonder okay, even if Anthony Davis plays in game six, if he's not like. Uh, 90% healthy or something, how much of a difference does he make? Uh, not 30 points, like you yeah. said. Um, it's like, you know, it's the it's the argument we made about the Golden Knights. Flurry could have played in game one, and they still would have lost. So if if Anthony Davis, like you said, is in your 100%, they easily could still lose. They're not going to lose by 30 again. That's not going to happen. Uh, but they could certainly lose. They've already lost one at Staples. Uh, they certainly can lose another one. I mean, it would be very interesting if, in fact, they get to a seven, and you if you you know do you see vintage LeBron? Do you see him who's been in that spot countless times? You know against a team you know who has not been in that spot, uh, and what they could do, and would LeBron take over? I almost want to see that um, to see them get to a seven, just to see what would happen with LeBron and, and kind of a Suns team that hasn't been in that spot. And there's a very good chance they will. Like I said, we're saying it in hockey; it's the same in the NBA. Last what you saw often isn't what you see next. So I won't be surprised at all if they win game six. I, I would hope they do because I'd love to see a game seven on Saturday. All right, coming up next, Ben Goats joins the show. Kalorn drifting to the right point. Kalorn out the center point. Wheels. Shoot, score! Kalorn! 
the Lightning have gone up 1-0 with 12.51 left in the second. It is Hedman. Works it to Sorelli at center. Sorelli across the blend. A step toward the slot. Back in shot. Score! Sorelli! 2-0 Lightning! Laddie doubled his first time up. Goes after the first pitch and hits it hard and left. Get up, ball. Get out of here. God! Laddie Guerrero has seen two pitches tonight. He's got a double and a three-run homer. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Ben Goats. Ben, how are you this morning? I'm doing wonderful. I'm just enjoying the uh, crisp mountain air that Denver has to offer and uh, trying to soak it all in before we got to head back tomorrow. <laughs> um, are you aware that Ed got lost walking one street away from the hotel? That sounds about right. <laughs> this isn't shocking news to me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yesterday afternoon, you might have been... You might have been on your way to the Rockies game, but I told myself I had to get to the Jimmy John's, and I just passed it and kept walking on the 16th Street Mall that you know so well, and it didn't go well for me. I eventually turned around because my – you know, like you can ask Ben. Ben's been Ben's been riding shotgun all week. We've gone to the same place 14 oh times, and each day I say, driving? Ben – No, and each day I say, Ben, you got to call up the map. I have no idea where I'm at. And, this, and the arena is like, I think, two blocks away, but somehow I asked Ben to get up the map. Yeah. Ben, yeah. you're letting Ed drive? I don't want to drive. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I don't want to like be in charge of our rental car. I'm much happier <laughs> on directions where I can just, you know, provide some play-by-play, give some feedback. <laughs> it's much easier for me this way. I kind of prefer. I think everyone's in the role that they should be in in this car. I'm not going to lie. You are the first person that has basically said they felt comfortable with Ed Graney <laughs> driving them somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I even, even got uh, Ed's lovely wife even warned me when we got uh, to Denver. So it's, uh, I feel like these people should have spoken up a little bit before we got to Denver, but we're dealing with it now. You at least sit in the back seat, though, right? Like, No, he's shotgun. He's oh, shotgun. Wow. wow. I mean, I'm a big man. guy. I'm 6'4". Like, I need room for my legs to spread out. Yeah, what do you think? You we put, we put Dave Shane in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have game two. Tonight, um, Pete DeBoer yesterday said that uh, he expects his team to play better. I imagine they can't play worse, but does playing better equal a win? Honestly, we don't know because that's the first time that you could maybe say that about the Golden Knights in a playoff series in a very long time because for the most part, last year, obviously, if they played a very good game by their standards, they are probably going to beat the Canucks. They're probably going to beat the Chicago Blackhawks. I, mean, I think you could even make an argument, even though it didn't really happen, that they could have beaten the Dallas Stars in last year's Western Conference Final. Here today, they could play a very good game against the Colorado Avalanche and still lose because that's just how good the Avalanche are. I mean, they are the President's Trophy winners for a reason. Uh, our colleague Dave Shane had the stat this morning. Colorado has won 12 straight at home, and they're 19-0-1 in their last 20 home games. I mean, this team is just very, very impressive. And the Golden Knights obviously can beat them. They beat them four times 
in the regular season. So it's not impossible that they could do the same thing in the playoffs. It's just not only going to take the Golden Knights playing a great version of their game, they're going to have to do a lot more to take the Colorado Avalanche off their game than what they obviously did in game one where the Avalanche, you know, I think had to shake off some, you know, early rust because they'd been off for basically about a week. But then they played exactly the style of game that they love to play, and it showed in the scoreboard. We, we talked about this uh, start of the show. So, so they win seven to one, and you, I, I was sitting next to you during the game, like, and I was like, well, how many, how many are Leonard's fault? Like, you know, and you kind of go through each one. Well, that was his fault. That wasn't his fault. If Fleury's in that game, and I guess he plays to Fleury's level, and he stops the Ratton and backhand and those. Like, what's the final score there, do you think? I mean, I think they still lose, but I don't know if it's that crazy. Yeah, I think you can take, like, maybe two to three off the board. It's really hard, especially once you get to the later stages of the game because it's like, is everyone that much dialed in when it's six to one? But you go through some of them, as you mentioned, the first goal, the Miko Rantan backhand, that's one that probably has to get saved. But then the second goal, um, the Gabriel Landeskog feed, from Kale McCarr, that's a wide open net. Um, Landis Cox's second goal, which was the fifth goal, was a tap in into an empty net. Brandon Saad, the third goal, he had a wide open net to shoot at because Alex Martinez deflected puck right to him. So there are a lot of kind of layup goals for the Avalanche um, the other night that you can't necessarily put on Robin Leonard. Do we think Robin Leonard was uh, good? No. Do I think his defense was really bad in front of him? Yes. And I don't think the Golden Knights were winning that game, even if they had prime, you know, Dominic Hossack or whoever, you know, your kind of ideal version of a best goalie ever kind of is. The team just didn't have it. And, you know, obviously the goalie decision, it was one that was uh, interesting and it kind of warranted discussion. But ultimately, I just don't think it had that big of an impact on the game because the Golden Knights, you know, you could simulate that game as Pete DeVorce has said uh, the other way uh, 10 times. I think the Golden Knights lose basically, you know, nine to even 9.5 of them. Um, what do you think about Flurry and his chances to win the Vezina? I think they're pretty good. It's hard to read the Vezina trophy voting because um, for people that don't know, it's the NHL's general managers that vote on it. So there's 31 voters as opposed to the writers who uh, this year, I think it's like 120. So it's interesting because like one vote can kind of sway um, it very, very much. I think it's a one-two race in terms of Flurry and Andre Vasilevsky. How it's going to go, I'm not exactly sure, because you could make an argument that maybe Flurry will get some sentimental votes because he's 36. He's never been a finalist before. This is the first time. This is kind of one of the few remaining holes in what's probably going to end up being a Hall of Fame resume. And maybe the GMs decide, like, hey, we haven't rewarded this guy his entire career. Uh, let's reward him now because this might be our last opportunity to do so. On the other hand, the GMs clearly love Andre Vasilevsky because they've already given him one Vesna trophy, and it wouldn't be shocking for them to give him another one. I think it's going to be close. I expect it to be tight. Um, Flurry does have a very legitimate statistical argument because Vasilevsky, his last couple starts of the regular season, trailed off of it. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Like I said, I truly don't know how to handicap it, other than to say I do think it's Flurry uh, versus Vasilevsky. I think Grubauer is kind of the third wheel of that Vesna Trophy group, even though he's had a very good season and was good again in Game 1, and we'll see how he is in Game 2. 
But, you know, that's my one prediction, that that's going to be one too. But I really do think it's going to be close between Vasilevsky and Flurry. If Janmark can't play and we already know Reeves is out, how does it affect the bottom six? Will you tell us who is going to be in and how does it affect it against this team? Yeah, it looks like it's going to be Dylan Sakura in at the third line left wing, about what we saw at practice yesterday. And Keegan Kolasar, who was out of the lineup the last two games, slides back in at fourth line right wing uh, for Ryan Reeves. I mean, the key thing, obviously, is that third line, you know, with Dylan Sakura in there is just not the potent depth scoring line that the Knights were so jazzed about and kind of bragging about after Game 7 against the Minnesota Wild because Yanmark scores that hat-trick. Um, Pete DeBoer gets up and talks about not only is putting Max Pacioretty back on our lineup great for our first line, it's great for our third line because we get Alex Tuck in there, and obviously it got very much rewarded against the Minnesota Wild and helped this team advance to the second round. With Dylan Sakura on there, obviously, you know, the Avalanche are probably a lot less fearful about that depth scoring line. But at the same time, I don't think the Avalanche are necessarily that fearful of any of the Knights' lines. I think they <laughs> think they can match up pretty much one through four across the board and aren't that concerned about it. So we'll have to see how that plays out tonight. I think it definitely does affect the Knights' depth scoring a little bit because Yanmark was their leading scorer in the postseason so far. He has six points in eight games. No one else on the Knights has six points so far, so we'll have to see. But certainly it's a blow for the Knights, who are already, of course, missing guys like Tomas Nosek, uh, who's been injured, Braden McNabb, who's on the COVID list, and now they're down two more forwards for Game 2 tonight. I think it's 11 straight periods without a Mark Stone point. At the end of this series, are we talking about uh, Mark Stone being nowhere near Nathan McKinnon, or is he actually going to figure it out and we're going to have some Mark Stone moments, some Mark Stone games where he helps this team be competitive? Well, we'll obviously have to see, but certainly, I mean, to beat the Colorado Avalanche, they are going to need some Mark Stone moments. And I'm very curious to see, once this series shifts back home, what Pete DeBoer does in terms of trying to match up with that McKinnon line. Does he put you know, his potential Selkie Trophy winner against uh, McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog and, you know, tells him to shut it down, figure it out, and, uh, you know, try to give the Knights a lift that way? Or does he, you know, give that assignment to the Carlson line and tell, you know, Stone, Patrick, and Stevenson, you guys got to be the one scoring. We'll try to cancel out that line with, you know, the misfit line, and then you guys really need to carry the offensive load for us. I mean, obviously, so far in the playoffs, uh, Stone and Stevenson, or Stone mainly, haven't performed, you know, offensively the same way that he did in the regular season. Obviously, not having Pacioretty for the first six games definitely hurt, especially the first kind of half of game one. It made it a lot easier to defend the Knights when Tomas Nosek was on that top line. Uh, but there's no question, like I said, that Matthias Janmark is not supposed to be the leading scorer for the Golden Knights in the postseason. Uh, that's supposed to be Mark Stone's job. If it's not his job and the Avalanche are focusing very heavily on slowing him down, someone else in the top six has to step up and provide this team some offense because you know that the Avalanche are going to put pucks in the back of the net, and it's going to be very difficult for the Knights to try to grind out like 2-1, one games against this team in the postseason. How much did you want to try to fit yourself into a bumper car? 
so bad. Oh, it would have been so incredible. Uh, Bailey, my lovely girlfriend, was just very disappointed in me when I was like, actually, we went right back to the hotel rather than enjoying the fun arcade golf luxury experience at the Avalanche practice facility yesterday. It's really a bummer. So, honestly, if we get back for a game five and we're able to go back to that practice range, yeah, might have to might have to do it. There might be a very large man just knocking five year olds out of the way. Sounds like a dream, but it sounds oh, wonderful. You should have been. Tyler there. would love that. Yeah. Tyler's going to fly to Colorado just to be able to do that. So I'm not even going to care about the Golden Knights playing. I'm going to the bumper cars. Well, he is Ben Goats from the Review Journal. Ben, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. No problem, guys. Thank you. Oh. I'll see. I'll see you in the lobby soon. <laughs> This. Yeah, why wasn't he live from your room? <laughs> He's got his own room. These. Uh, uh, okay, I, I'm still fascinated with <laughs> mask this. up. I'm still fascinated with this scene of Top Golf bumper cars. Yeah, laser tag, adult beer league yeah. hockey going on while yes. the Golden Knights are practicing. Uh, I yeah, just, I just, exactly all happened. I want is them to like start judging the beer league team. Just be like, oh, that guy can't skate. Like, Vince Vince Sapiens of Fox Five had a little. He, he was he used to be oh, a hockey player, so he, he had a few comments like on the beer skate. league. He, he had a few he had a few comments on the beer league. It was a it was a lunchtime league, and then I think they all actually went for beer because there's act there was also like a cafe there <laughs> that afterwards they were all drinking beer. So it was, a, it was a fun time at the arcade. I mean, listen, the Golden Knights are like an injury or two away from one of those guys having to come play on yeah, the third exactly. line. The <laughs> Dylan Sakura guy gets hurt. You're pulling somebody off they, that beer league team. They can't play any worse than Ryan Reeves. That's fair. <laughs> that is a good point. All right. Coming up next, the Packers say they're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. At the end of the season, it's it's no secret, and I'll be the first to, to point the thumb myself. You know, when the ball's in your hand every play, you have to make plays and you have to play better football. And um, if the quarterback, myself, is not playing good football, that, that almost, especially late in the season, is directly related to winning and losing. So... I'll take that playoff and, and those games on me is, is just feeling worn down, not playing good enough football at the end of the season. I don't know how much I'll let him do, you know, with guys chasing him around. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. See what the doctors say. And, uh, and uh, he may be doing a lot of coaching. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. So we had a story yesterday in The Athletic uh, about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And a couple lines from the story. The Packers would trade Aaron Rodgers if they believed he was truly committed to never playing for them again. According to a source, however, general manager Brian Gutenkunst is still holding firm to the stance that he will not trade Rodgers. So, based on that, the Packers think that Aaron Rodgers will play in Green Bay again which is interesting because Roger seems pretty intent on never playing for the Packers again. Uh, do you think that Aaron Rodgers is essentially bluffing that the Packers are basically trying to call his bluff here and that he will end up playing for the Packers again this year? Yeah. This is interesting because when's the mandatory, like the first week of June? I mean, the OTAs really mean nothing, I think, to him. Um, and the fines obviously mean nothing to him. So I think the first time they'll get a sense of like they, you know, they're saying if they know he's truly never committed to playing for them again will be the mandatory minicamp. Like if he doesn't show up to that, 
you know, you have to at least start thinking about it. I mean, you, you can't you can't get and it's Aaron Rodgers. So ultimately, you'd obviously have to make a deal for him and people would want him. But how long are you going to let this go if he doesn't show up to camp, mini camp and you get into the summer? At some point, there has to be if there hasn't already been. and I don't think there has been a really sit down conversation because you don't want to get caught here where you wait too long, even though, you know, you and I both know people would put stuff on the table for him. It's like a game of chicken at this point. And we've seen it time and time again in sports where, you know, he might be going to the wall right now saying we're not going to trade him. But if that guy doesn't roll in for minicamp when it's mandatory, then you have to you have to make a call to the agent at some point. You can't just keep saying, well, we think he'll change his mind. I mean, that's that would be that'd be irresponsible, I think, to your organization just by thinking, hey, we're the Packers. He's always going to come back. Yeah, that t- whatever that time is, is the interesting thing to me because the Packers have to basically gauge how much does Aaron Rodgers care about football versus life outside of football because right. it appears as though this offseason Aaron Rodgers is doing everything he can to make everyone believe he doesn't care that much about football right. and everything else is, is just fine, that he can be fulfilled with life outside of football, and maybe he can. And But if he doesn't, if Aaron Rodgers, like, wants to, if he's got the strong desire to play football, then the Packers do hold the leverage here because the Packers, they don't have to trade him. He's under contract for three more seasons. Like Green Bay could conceivably just hold his playing career hostage by saying, hey, you play for Green Bay or you retire because we're not trading you. But that's only if Aaron Rodgers, like, cares about football, only cares about football, then Green Bay has the leverage. If Rodgers says, you know what, I don't want to play in Green Bay, and if they don't trade me, I'll just retire and live my life in Hawaii with whatever the hell he's going to do, then the Packers basically lose out on one of the most valuable assets in football when they could have traded him. So that timeline, like, it's it's interesting because the Packers have, I, I don't know when it is. Like you say, is it the beginning I, of June? I think it's the first week of June. Maybe, it's, it's yeah. Maybe it's closer to the season actually starting. I don't know yeah. when it is, but at some point the Packers would have to make the determination of, oh, wow, Aaron Rodgers really is okay with not playing football again. We better trade him so we can get back assets for him and not just let one of the most valuable players just basically retire for nothing when you could have gotten assets for him. So Yeah, and you're talking about one of the greatest players ever. It's not regular assets. I mean, right. you know, I, I just, I mean, one, you'd have to be so confident in Jordan Love, and I can't believe they are at this point. They probably think he's their future. I'm sure they like him, but he's never done anything. So to be stubborn enough to just hold out and just say, we're just going to hold out. You can't do that. I mean, you, this is not like, you know, this is not Julio Jones where, yeah, you're you kind of, what's the market for Julio Jones. Maybe you can get this. Maybe someone will overpay a little. This is Aaron Rodgers. The assets back on Aaron Rodgers, whether it be from the chiefs or excuse me, not the chiefs, the Broncos, the Raiders, whoever. <laughs> oh well, my God. Be, well, if the Kill chiefs did it, then system. Deal, yeah, that'd be, that'd be good. But if it's the Broncos or the Raiders or whoever, the assets back Raiders are never going to the playoffs. That you could not that you could not, you know, obviously you could not turn that down. He's too special of a player. So I think it's gonna be on them. I it appears that he's going to in my mind, force the issue with them. I mean, he seems to be doing very fine for himself, and we'd all like to have that life, right? To have millions of dollars and just <laughs> hang out in Hawaii. So, you know, he's he's doing fine for himself. It's gonna come down to them, you know really deciding whether or not he wants to play. And if he doesn't want to play there, then you have to entertain offers. You can't just sit pat. You'd get too much back for him.
You can't say Jordan Love didn't hasn't ever done anything. He scored those nine touchdowns against UNLV. Yeah, he did do that. He did do that. Well, Ed watched on Facebook from London. Yes, from London. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I turned it off after the seventh TD. It was getting kind of old. Oh, you should have stuck with it. <laughs> I will say the one thing that is in the Packers' favor is that Aaron Rodgers is so good that he's never really truly going to lose the value. Like, they don't have no. to trade him now. They don't have no. to trade him, like, before the season. So, like, this could go into the season. It could be week five. Aaron Rodgers is still going to have tremendous value. So the Packers, that is the one good thing in their favor is they can wait.